All right, if you'll take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs, please. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. Proverbs chapter 10. God willing, we'll be expounding verse 19 tonight. Here, one time to get there. The title of the message tonight is Words Without Number. Words Without Number. Hello, uh, Sister Jenny and Brother Curtis. Oh, Curtis is working tonight. Excuse me. Hello, Sister Jenny. Tell Brother Curtis hello for, for us. Our study in Proverbs has recently brought us to the subject of our speech, our words, our tongue. What we say, the spoken word is very powerful. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You ever thought about that before? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, if death and life are in the power of the tongue, then the tongue has a lot of power. Your tongue has the power to give life. And your tongue has the power to take life. Brother Jeff, good seeing you tonight. We missed you Sunday. As you know, one of our dear church members, Glenda, as we just got through praying for her and mentioning her, she has some health issues. And uh, they're pretty serious. And health issues can not only bring you down physically, but they can bring you down mentally too. Y'all testify to that, those y'all who've had serious health issues before. They can bring you down emotionally. They can bring you down spiritually. They can. If you're not in a spiritual frame of mind, that is, uh, whenever you're going through them, which is very easy to do because of the weakness of our flesh. One of our church members, I found out this week, has been privately reaching out to Glenda to encourage her and to keep her in that spiritual frame of mind. When I found that out, I was really blessed by hearing about that. And, and Glenda told my wife last week that the scriptures and the words of encouragement of this woman in our church, and I'll keep her name private because I figure she may want it private, but the, the scriptures and the words of encouragement our church members have been sharing with her, she said they have been perfectly timed to meet her needs. And with those biblical encouraging words, when they were spoken to Glenda, they had the power of life in the tongue. See? They had the power to help a downcast saint live in the grace and power of Jesus Christ. They didn't heal her body, but they helped her to live in the grace of Jesus. On the other hand, I received a phone call this week from a man uh, not too far down the road who told me that someone who once attended this church, and you all know this person, and I won't mention the name, but they don't go here anymore. And he called to let me know that he had received, or they had received, an email uh, from this person over a dispute they had with him. And that this person who used to go to our church said, Quote, I hope you die, end of quote. 
And his words troubled the man I was speaking to. Now that's no business to us. This person doesn't go to our church. This person was not a member of our church, but they attended here for a while. And I told that man, I said, sir, that's not the love of God speaking through that man. That's not indicative of a child of God. Not that a Christian can't say hateful words. They can. But uh, it's evil. And, and so, in the same week, I hear good news about someone in our church sharing life with the power of the tongue. And I hear bad news about someone who has uh, recently been in our church who was sharing death with the, power of the, with the power of the tongue, the power of death. Both people use the power of the tongue, one to death, the other to life. Tongue's a powerful instrument. One had a man troubled. The other had another person rejoicing. That's power. And now as we move into verse 19 tonight of Proverbs chapter 10, we're going to take a deeper look into the instrument of the tongue and the words that we say with it. Verse 19 tells us what we find, look in verse 19, in the multitude of words. What we find in the multitude of words. Now it's a biological fact before we go any further. And some people may want to argue with me on this. But it's a biological fact that on average, women speak more words than men. I know that it's hard for y'all to believe. But it's true. Even when they're little girls, boys have toys and they're crashing them and burning them and they're blowing them up if they get a doll they're going to take the head and turn around backwards and things like that little girls and all that stuff they're different it's about also a biological fact that there are people of both genders who are less social than others more private more backward and they simply talk less you take a group of Jeremini girls, some girls are going to talk more than the others. On Sunday mornings, I probably speak more than anybody because I'm teaching twice while others are quietly listening. And I want to assure you tonight as we are looking at this, this phrase in the multitude of words, I want to assure you tonight that long sermons are not the multitude of words that Solomon's talking about. Thank God for that. Chatty women, outgoing men who speak more than the average man, they're not being targeted either by Solomon in this verse. I want to tell you tonight that speaking is a gift from God. Socializing is a gift from God. So what is the multitude of words that Solomon is referring to, what is he speaking about tonight? A multitude of words is speaking about an abundance of words. Now hang on with me and you'll see. An abundance of words. Not a sufficient number of words, but an abundance of words. The first time this word is used in the Bible that's translated multitude tonight is in Genesis 
which says, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. Now I want you to look here. And we'll use this one tonight. Shall not be numbered for multitude. That's very important tonight. The Lord told Hagar that her seed would not be numbered because of the multitude of offspring that she would have. She would have so many descendants that people would lose count of them. You get what God's saying here. Here's a kingdom truth for you tonight. It's a blessing when you lose count of your descendants. It's a snare when you lose count of your words. We'll say it again. It's a blessing when you lose count of your descendants. It's a snare when you lose count of your words. Throughout the year at work, I have to take inventory of equipment. I did today. I had to take inventory of ballistic vest panels. The vest have been issued to us. I had to... We had to take them open, the carriers look, find the model, find the serial numbers on the front panel, the back panel. I had to check serial numbers on our handguns every month. Walk up to the officer. May I see your handgun, please, every month? I got to look at the serial number, match it up to what I have on my inventory sheet. Every month I have to do that. Each piece of equipment must be accounted for. And only the equipment that we've been issued can be used. If I checked an officer's weapon one month and I discovered that he was carrying the same make and model of weapon that he was issued, but it was his personal weapon, the serial number did not match what has been issued to him, he would be in violation of policy. There must be a strict account of the equipment we use. We don't want a multitude of weapons. We only want the weapons we were intended to have. You see where this is going. If you have a multitude of descendants that can't be numbered, then you have descendants that can't be inventoried. And once again, that's a blessing when it comes to your offspring. But it's a snare when it comes to your words. Like our equipment at work. We don't need a multitude of words. We only want the words that God has issued us. We only want the words on our tongue that God intended for us to have. We don't want words that we can't inventory to the glory of God. We need to keep a strict and continual inventory on what comes out of our mouths. This Study has been a practical blessing to me this week. We need to make sure that the words on our tongue were issued to us by the Lord. For Solomon said in the multitude of words, look back in your text, there wanteth not sin. Now be careful with that word wanteth, especially if you're not raised up in church, you're not familiar with the archaic King James language, but the word wanteth here means lacks. 
lacks, L-A-C-K-S. He's saying there lacks not sin. The reason it says want here, if you want something, I got a multitude, talking about a multitude of tumblers tonight. I accidentally left my tumbler Sunday. I was wondering where it was. I've got it now. Don't let me forget to take it home. In the multitude of tumblers are wanteth not water. But here in the multitude of words are wanteth not sin. If I wanted water, then that means I don't have water, right? Therefore, I want some. In the multitude of words, you don't want sin. It's already there. You've got sin. If you have a multitude of words, if you have an abundance of words, don't worry. Sin is going to be present in those words. Where there's a multitude of words, there is no lack of sin. That's what the Scripture is saying. Now, how many of you have ever had thoughts enter your mind that you were ashamed of having? Everybody, Brother Cliff, I knew he was a godly man. But everybody here has had thoughts enter their mind that they're ashamed of having. Everybody. Not too long ago, my wife and I had a guest at her home who would not stop talking. Oh my, that drives me crazy. Man, give it a break. I felt like my ear was about to start melting down the side of my face at any moment. It was terrible. And at some point during his nonstop speaking, he said this in a boastful way. He said, if I think it, then I say it. What a foolish thing to brag about. If I think it, then I say it. Chris Johnson said, it must have been Tanya. No, it was not Tanya. Church, we don't need to say everything we think. I'd be ashamed to say everything I thought. If I said everything I thought, you wouldn't want me as your pastor, I assure you. Here's the kingdom truth for you tonight. You can't control everything that comes into your mind. We would agree with that, right? There's stuff pops in your head, boom. You're like, where did that come from? You ever been praying before? I mean, you're having a wonderful time in prayer. And suddenly something pops in your mind. Dear God, where would that come from? I'm sorry, Lord. We have a fallen nature, so we have a fallen brain. And the devil can interject thoughts into our minds just like he approached, I mean, Adam and Eve were all fine there in the Garden of Eden until the devil showed up. Then he started putting thoughts in their head. Has God said this? He does the same thing today. We're not ignorant of his devices, the Bible says. You can't control everything that comes into your mind, but you can control everything that comes out of your mouth. Let me say that again. You can't control everything that comes into your mind, but you can control everything that comes out of your mouth. You know, it's very interesting. We have a lot of scriptures in the Bible that talk to us about controlling our tongue about not letting words issue out of our tongue. 
I can't think of a single time in the Bible where it's a sin to not control a thought that pops into your head. You ever thought about that? Word pop out of your tongue, you're accountable for it. Word uh, thought pop into your head, you're not accountable for it. Entertain that thought and dwell on it, now you're accountable for it. But because the gate coming into the mind is so wide open with her fallen nature, God does not hold us accountable and say, look at that thought that just popped into your head. Shame on you, I'm going to get you for that. No, when those thoughts pop into our head, we confess them as sin to God, we move on. But from the head to the tongue, that is where we're most accountable. We do not have to, to let what pops into our head pop out of our mouth. We don't need to say everything that we think. Like checking the serial numbers on the guns that we wear at work, we need to take a strict inventory on the words we speak. We need to make sure that the words we speak belong to the God we serve. In the multitude of words, there lacks not sin. That means the more we say, the greater the chance we'll say something wrong. The more we say, the greater the chance we'll say something wrong. The more we say, the greater the chance we'll speak out of turn. The greater the chance we'll gossip. The greater the chance we'll speak out of strife and stir up strife. The greater the chance we'll embarrass somebody. Anger somebody, belittle somebody, the better the chance we'll speak with pride out of our hearts the more we speak. A multitude of words gushes forth unchecked from a person's mouth. There's no inventory being made. Here recently, Brother Pete Lake, Sweet Pete is what we call him. Brother Pete Lake uh, said something on a, uh, I can't remember if it's the church announcement group or on a Facebook post or something, and but I think it was a church announcement group. And I remember someone remarking, and Tammy and I have talked about it before, in fact, uh, and someone remarked properly on it and said, Brother Pete, you don't speak much, but when you speak, it's something worth listening to. It's usually deep. It's something thought out. And I've noticed that with Brother Pete as well. It's a gift. It's a gift from the Lord. But he, he takes inventory of his words wisely. And here's another kingdom of truth for you tonight. I was thinking on this taking inventory of our words, the, the abundance, the multitude of words that can't be numbered. I thought of this kingdom truth on the way to work. And I have committed that kingdom truth to my memory. And when I think on the scripture, and it's a wonderful thing to pop up in your head. I thought on the way to work, if we want our words to count, we must learn to count our words. You don't want your words. Remember God took Abraham out. He says, look up there at the, at the sky and you see all the stars. Can you count the stars? You're, you're going to have children, you're going to have offspring like those stars. You won't be able to count them all. 
That's fine again with the descendants. It's terrible with words. You've got to be able to count. You've got to be able to take inventory of them. So if you want your words to count, then you have to learn to count your words. And today I was about to say something at work. And that popped in my head. Richard, if you want your words to count, you have to learn to count your words. I zipped my mouth and I didn't say it on account of this scripture. How many of y'all have started to say something, but in your wisdom, in obedience to God's word, you actually stamp down that tongue, put it down, and you zip it up, and you don't say it. And when you did it, didn't it feel good? It feels good. Instead of walking away thinking, Lord, I'm sorry for saying that. I walked away and said, Lord, thank you for letting me keep my mouth shut. Thank you. If you want your words to count, you have to learn to count your words. Look back. A multitude of words gushes forth unchecked from a person's mouth. There's no inventory being made, but, look back in your text, but he that refraineth his lips, that's the person that's counting his words, he that refraineth his lips, to, to refrain means to withhold, to keep back someone from doing something, to restrain someone from doing something. In this case, you're restraining your lips from doing something. To refrain the lips means you're keeping them in check. You're restraining them from saying something they shouldn't say. And the Bible speaks of also bridling the tongue, which is the same as restraining. Because you have a bridle on a horse, what are you doing? You're just not letting it run wild. You're, 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 you're restraining that horse. No, you turn this direction. No, you turn this direction. No, you stop when I tell you to stop. The horse may seem strong. The horse is stronger than us. But we have control of that horse with the bridle. The tongue's a very powerful instrument. The, li- the power of life and death is in the tongue. But you know what? If the Bible says that a wise person restrains his tongue... If the Bible says that we should bridle our tongue, do you know what that means? That means we can indeed control our tongue. That means we're accountable for what we say. You can keep your mouth shut. You can in the power of Christ. You have the authority over what you say. You can help it. But you must reckon those lips to be dead with Christ if you want to have power over that tongue. The old man will flap those lips and say whatever comes in his mind. But if that old man is dead with Christ, and you reckon that old man dead with the Lord Jesus Christ, then the grave where Jesus lay for three days and three nights will be the bridle that restrains that tongue. And the grave... Where that Jesus overcame when he came out of uh, uh, came out the third day, that will be the power that lets your tongue speak unto life. You see, you take inventory of the words of your mouth and make sure that what Christ wants you to say. As I was meditating on the scripture last week, I found myself re- uh, refraining my lips from saying those things, and I was so so thankful. The thought 
goes from the head to the mouth and it's about to come out that you take inventory. Lord, is this honoring to you? Was this word issued by you? No. I'm going to let it lie on that grave with the old man. Let those dead words lie in the grave with that dead man. Let the living words come out of my mouth with the Jesus that came out of that grave. Isn't that good? That's what God's telling us to do. So we forbid our lips from speaking, and it makes us feel so much better. We think, oh, this is nice. I need to do this more often. Here's a kingdom truth for you tonight. God created you to control your mouth, not your mouth to control you. God created you to control your mouth, not your mouth to control you. The spirituality, the strength of a Christian is not discovered by how dynamic he can get behind the pulpit and speak. The strength of a Christian is not measured by how well he can uh, talk against sin or say, I'm going to win over the devil, praise the Lord. The strength of a Christian is measured in a, in a great part by how well that Christian can control that little tongue right there. If you can't control that little tongue right there, you really don't have much power at all. But if you can control that little tongue right there, the Bible says you can control the rest of your body as well. Sure can. Whoever refrains his lips, Solomon says, back in your text as we close out tonight, is wise. Is wise. And we'll close with this tonight. A fool sets his mouth free. A wise man restrains his mouth and sets himself free. A fool sets his mouth free. A wise man restrains his mouth and sets himself free. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you, thank you, thank you for addressing the power of the tongue. Thank you, Father, for making us accountable for what comes out of our lips. Thank you, Father God, for giving us the, um, the comfort in knowing that we can't control everything that pops in our head, but we can control what pops out of our mouth. And I pray, dear Lord God, that we'll have that holy inventory and make sure that the words of the dead man lie in the grave with the dead man and the words of the living man in Christ come out of our mouth as Christ came out of the tomb. We pray that all the words will be in their proper place, whether alive with Jesus or dead with Adam in that tomb, unto your honor your glory, that our tongue, Father God, as children of God, will speak the power of life to our fellow brethren. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.